you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, everybody. It's Monday, September 18th, 2023. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, M.G. Marcus Grant, joined by Michael F. Florio. We are almost through week two, Florio, uh, and I don't, I don't really know what to say. It's always easy to say it's a weird week. Uh, but injuries seem to be the order of the day the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, definitely. Injuries have been a big thing. It also felt like week two was kind of like the normalizing week. Like a lot of weird stuff happens in week one. Then week two happens and like you could kind of breathe a little bit. Yeah, we always overreact wildly in one direction after week one. This seemed like we were kind of coming back to earth a little bit in week two. So we'll dive into that with some things we learned in week two. Also have some top performers, biggest disappointments. And we'll play a round of Who'd You Rather. But let's start, as we always do, with some fantasy headlines. And speaking of injuries, Anthony Richardson was at the start of what looked like it was going to be a really big day. He had run for a couple of touchdowns, then suffers a concussion, exits the game. Gardner Minshew finishes things out for the Colts and their win over the Houston Texans. So we'll wait to see what the status is going to be for Richardson, who was off to a very good start this season. If he does not play next week against the Baltimore Ravens, are there any Colts you'd consider starting? Yeah, well, well if he plays, he's a must-start option moving forward, I think, just because of the rushing. If he sits, we did see Garner Minshew target Michael Pittman Jr. a whole lot. Uh, as more of a pure pocket passer, I think we could expect a little bit of uptake in volume for him. I also think Zach Moss, I don't love him, but he's he played 55 of the 56 snaps this week. That's hard to ignore. That's the thing is that we were wondering how that backfield rotation was going to shake out. I mean, I know a lot of people were big on Evan Hull. Unfortunately, he is injured, so he's not available. And really, with no Evan Hull, if it's just Deion Jackson and Zach Moss, Moss, Moss looks like the guy. You mentioned the snap share that he played. 18 carries for 88 yards and a touchdown. So if there is a Colts running back to keep an eye on, it appears to be him. I do think if you have Gardner Minshew, I think that puts Michael Pittman back into play just because Minshew's not going to run the way Richardson yeah. does. He's going to deliver the ball a little bit more, spread it around. So I think that does give Pittman some value, but the matchup is not great against a pretty good Ravens defense next week. Speaking of concussion issues, Devontae Adams was evaluated for a concussion after the Raiders' loss to the Buffalo Bills. So we know that last week, or this past week, I guess I should say, uh, Jacoby Myers was out as he was in concussion protocol. Now we wait to see what's going to happen with Devontae Adams. Any other Raiders pass catchers you're interested in? It, if Adams is out and Myers is back, I could get interested in Jacoby Myers because I, I could see him getting a whole bunch of volume. It took injuries to both of them for Hunter Renfro to come off of a milk cart, and it felt like so... 
Yeah, if Adams and Myers are out, I, I think it is a just avoid everyone from that passing attack. It is a void everyone from that passing attack. I mean, I, I'm not going to be interested in Hunter Renfro. I know Michael Mayer, I think, got banged up at some point during that game as well. So the Raiders already very shorthanded when it comes to pass catchers. Uh, does this make you even more worried about Josh Jacobs, too? A little bit. I, I was telling you off air, like, it looks like Josh Jacobs is kind of out there just going through the motions a little bit. He rushed for negative two yards uh, yesterday, and I, I had said after week one, like, oh, that was the Broncos defense shutting him down. Look at what Brian Robinson just did to that Broncos <laughs> right. defense. I am a little bit concerned about Josh Jacobs right now. I remember at one point I looked because he, I think he had six carries for like minus six or minus eight yards or something. And I remember just staring at it thinking like, <laughs> that can't be right. Like this has to be a typo of some sort, but no, that's what it was. Nine carries for minus two yards for Josh Jacobs. He did have five catches for 51 yards for what it's worth, but got mossed too. He did get mossed by Matt Milano. So you are expecting more out of Josh Jacobs and you wonder if the Raiders don't have any pass catchers now. If you're an opposing defense, you just lock down on Josh Jacobs and you make life miserable there. Joe Burrow missed some time during the preseason as he was dealing with a calf injury. He came back, played week one, didn't look good, came back and played again in week two. The Bengals were slightly better, but the offense still not really clicking. In the meantime, Burrow tweaks the calf injury in that loss to the Ravens. We'll see, again, what this means. I mean, it's only Monday, so there's still plenty of time to kind of determine what this means. But if he can't go, what does this mean for the Cincinnati pass catchers? It's not great. I, I still think T. Higgins and especially Jamar Chase are too good to get away from. But the bus factor of them is very high. And I don't know if it was on this show or one of the other many shows that we do together. But <laughs> last week, I kind of said I, I watched back that Bengals game. And Joe Burrow did not look right. A lot of air under his passes. A lot of just getting rid of the ball quickly. I had chalked it up, though, to miss the preseason. He's, he's getting his rust off. It's week one. He looked just as uncomfortable in week two. He is not right. Um, I think maybe the best case scenario is to let him sit and rest. But at 0-2, they, they know what they what is at stake. So it wouldn't surprise me if he tries to go. But... Either way, I think you start your Bengals pass catchers, but they are trending down in a big way right now. I mean, that was the thing that, that Jamar Chase said in the preseason. Said, hey, man, you should just rest. Don't come yeah. back till week five. We got this. I don't think they anticipated starting 0-2, and now they're staring down having to deal with the Rams. Uh, they do have the Titans and the, the Cardinals after that, so it does sort of lighten up for them, but they got to get some wins. Yeah. You would believe they need Joe Burrow to do that. You talk about him struggling. I think he had like 85 passing yards at halftime. It was another rough start. He sort of rebounded and, and kind of salvaged a little bit of something, but the Bengals have not looked like the Bengals the first couple of weeks. I'm with you. I think Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, they're too good to get away from regardless of who the quarterback is. And for the record, uh, Jake Browning is uh, the backup quarterback for the, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. So, I mean, you're not starting Jake Browning, but I think he's he knows enough to get the ball to Chase and to Higgins. So those guys still, I think, have some value. Tyler Boyd, you probably want to get away from uh, if, if Joe Burrow can't go. But Definitely a thing to monitor as the week goes along. Speaking of things to monitor, Saquon Barkley left the Giants game with an apparent ankle injury. The Giants are getting tests on it. They're optimistic that he's going to be able to go, but Florio, it's a short week. 
They go to Santa Clara to take on the San Francisco 49ers on Thursday night football. The Giants finally got it going in the second half against the Cardinals, but they looked miserable in the first half. If they don't have Saquon, uh, do you stay away from this offense altogether in fantasy? Yeah, the only Giant I will be playing this week is Darren Waller, just because he's a tight end and the volume that he could get, especially if they are trailing. But I'm not starting... I was toying with the idea of saying to sit Saquon Barkley against the 49ers defense, and then I was like, no, I can't really in good faith tell people to sit Saquon. Matt Breida is the easiest sit of all time against that defense. Uh, they're, they're receivers. There's no one to get excited for. And then Daniel Jones. I put out a tweet because everyone was giving me some stuff about saying to start Daniel Jones. He's a QB1 on the week right now, but... Remember what he looked like against that Cowboys defense who got a bunch of pressure on him? Yeah. The Niners get just as much pressure on quarterbacks. So, yeah, I think it's a week to get away from Daniel Jones. Yeah, speaking of Daniel Jones, I, I suggested to my wife she sit Russell Wilson in place of Daniel Jones. <laughs> and in the first half, I was feeling like a fool. Uh, in the second half, Jones rallied and made things a little bit better for my home life. So thank you for that, Danny Dimes. But if there is no Saquon Barkley, I don't think you can start Daniel Jones. He's going to be under constant pressure. I'm with you and Darren Waller. Side note, I don't understand why Jalen Hyatt didn't get more opportunity yesterday. Two catches for 89 yards on his only two targets. Only ran 11 routes. In the meantime, they're trying to make it happen with Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins and Paris Campbell. I, I, at some point, just get your speed guy out there and see if he can pop a couple of big plays for you. He is their best wide. I am confident in saying that. Like, if you gave him the same amount of opportunities as every other Giants receiver, he would finish with the best numbers just because he can actually win downfield no no one else on that team. That is a thing that the Giants are missing significantly, and it may be a thing they need if they don't have Saquon Barkley to try to grind out some hard yards against that 49er run defense. So uh, all things we'll keep an eye on as the week progresses when it comes to injuries and what it could mean for your fantasy lineup. In the meantime, let's take a quick look back at what we saw over the last couple of days with things we learned in week two. What is one of your big takeaways from what you saw on Sunday? Kyron Williams is 100% the real deal. Um, I, I had said to sit him because of the matchup against the 49ers, and he made me look foolish. 96% <laughs> of the snaps, 43 routes ran, 14 carries, 10 targets. In total, he goes for 100 yards, two touchdowns, and 28 fantasy points against the team that has allowed the fewest yards and the fewest fantasy points since the start of the 2022 season to running backs. Like, I was shocked to see that he's only rostered in still less than half of NFL.com leagues because in every league I'm in, he went for big fab last week. Be ready to spend up big on him because he is 100% here to stay and looks like a, him and Puka look like league winners right away from week one up. Yeah, that was the big question is what they would do against the 49er defense. And the answer is a lot. They both yeah. look really good <laughs> against the 49ers. And I do think the Rams offense is one we have to pay attention to because Matt Stafford looked very good, had a lot of time to throw the football. So if Kyron Williams is the real deal, that means it's a wrap for Cam Akers, at least with the Rams. He was a healthy scratch. I know he tweeted that he was as surprised as everybody else. He didn't know what was going on. The reports are that he basically just is not buying into the culture that Sean McVay is trying to put together there in Los Angeles. Meanwhile, Kyron Williams is going out, as Florio mentioned, and getting big opportunities and doing big things for them. There is talk that the Rams may try and trade Cam Akers or that they may release him. If you've got Akers on your roster, I think you hold for now just to see 
where he might end up. Maybe he goes to a team that's going to use him more. Maybe he ends up in a slightly better situation. At least see what the immediate future is going to be, and then you can decide to make a decision. But at least in the meantime, there is no way you can play Cam Akers because it doesn't seem like there's any way that the Rams are going to play Cam Akers. So I, this is a guy that I, in the middle of, of fantasy draft season, I started to get big on, then I started to back off of, and I was surprised at how many teams I have him on and uh, was kicking myself a little bit come Sunday afternoon. <laughs> now i got to make some moves. There's another running back that you are very concerned about right now. Yeah, Damian Pierce is a running back that I thought had breakout potential. I thought he could play not – I never bought into, the, like, he's going to be the CMC of this 49ers-type offense that the Texans are trying to employ. But I thought he'd get more pass game usage, and I thought we don't have to worry about him as a runner at all. We know how great he is. He has 82 total yards through two games. And shout-out to, uh, to our boy Laquan Jones. Follow him. At Real Deal Fantasy on Twitter, he put out that the Texans at O-line as a whole right now has a 56.8 run blocking grade from PFF. That is not good. <sighs> this O-line is just dragging uh, Damian Pierce down right now. And their, their passing game is, is better than anticipated. CJ Stroud is doing a good job getting Nico Collins and Tank Dell the ball. But the run game, it, it's just broken right now. So I feel like moving forward, like... Peek behind the curtain, Damian Pierce is a sit for me in week three. And uh, I'm very concerned about him on a few rosters where I thought he could be my RB1 this season. I did worry a little bit that the game script could be an issue for the Texans. I didn't think it'd be as much of an issue because CJ Stroud has thrown the ball a ton of times. He's got 91 pass attempts in wow. his first two games. So you think about it, 91 pass attempts for CJ Stroud. Damian Pierce has run 19 routes. He is not involved in the Texans' passing game. You mentioned the inefficiency running the football. At this point, it's hard to, to put any kind of faith in Damian Pierce. I didn't have any faith in Mike Evans, and so I just, I just want to put it out there. Mike Evans, I'm sorry. I didn't believe. I thought this was going to be the year that your 1,000-yard streak would end. Through the first two weeks, I look like an idiot. Uh, you and Baker Mayfield seem to have some kind of connection Baker Mayfield has learned what plenty of Buccaneers quarterbacks before him have learned. Mike Evans is down there somewhere, and he is throwing go balls. He is getting Mike Evans involved, and Evans right now looks every bit the part of a wide receiver one. Tampa has been almost as pass-heavy this year as they have been in the past, which is something that I didn't see coming. Now, granted, they have had a kind of soft schedule to begin the season, but shout-out to Baker Mayfield for making plays, getting things done, and having Mike Evans be a big part of it. So uh, this is my mea culpa that I was completely wrong on Mike Evans, and right now he is very much a wide receiver one Same. going forward. You can totally believe. I, 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 I will piggyback on that. I was 100% wrong as well. Yeah, I was, I was very wrong. Uh, one guy that we weren't wrong on, we both like Sam Laporta. He's been great so far. He is a top 10 fantasy tight end. You look at week one, he was the tight end eight. You look at week two currently, he is the tight end eight. Uh, on the year, though, the tight end four, the only tight ends who have more fantasy points right now than Sam Laporta. TJ Hawkinson, Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram. And he's consistently getting uh, like five, six targets. I expect him to get even more volume as the season goes on. What do we always hear? The learning curve is so high for a rookie tight end. Through two weeks, his first two games as an NFL player, he's the fourth best fantasy tight end right now. On a Lions team that I think is going to have to throw the ball, especially if David Montgomery is out the next couple of weeks, I, I just, 
Keep adding him because he's still rostered in far too little leagues right now. Sam Laporta is the real deal. Yeah, he's absolutely real. I mean, especially because they're not asking him to block. Run yep. routes, get open, catch the football. Right now, he's rostered in fewer than 20% of NFL.com leagues. Fix that, everybody. Fix it. Uh, my last thing that I learned to quote the Beatles, all you need is love. Ba -ba -da -da -da. Jordan Love uh, has been pretty good in the first two weeks of the season. Back-to-back -back games with three touchdown passes for Jordan Love. He's running the football. Look, nobody's going to confuse him for Lamar Jackson, but 23 rushing yards in week two. He's yet to throw an interception. And on Sunday, he did that without Christian Watson, without Aaron Jones. Uh, he was getting guys like Dontavian Wicks involved. He was getting the, the rookie tight end Luke Musgrave involved. Jordan Love is really evolving into the position. You know, no, Again, he's not going to make you forget about Aaron Rodgers really soon in Green Bay, but he's holding his own. He's not the reason that the Packers lost to the Falcons on Sunday. And if you've got him on your roster, he's becoming a guy that you can feel confident as a streamer. Should definitely be in your lineup in two quarterback leagues. Uh, off to a very good start this year is Jordan Love. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Top performers for week two, Daniel Jones right now is your QB1, 30.7 points, 321 passing yards, couple of touchdowns, also ran for a score. Brian Robinson, good start to the year, 129 total yards, two touchdowns, also had a couple of receptions, nearly 29 points for him. Keenan Allen had a day, 111 yards, a pair of touchdowns, he had over 31 points. TJ Hawkinson going back to Thursday night, seven catches, 66 yards, a pair of tutties. 25.6 points for him. Brandon Aubrey for the Dallas Cowboys. Five field goals and a PAT. That was good for 18 points. And the Bucks defense taking advantage of the Bears offense. Six sacks, two picks, and a touchdown. 17 points for them. Let's talk about some of the top performers for the week. Right now, Daniel Jones is your QB1. But Russell Wilson, QB3 on the week. It did take a Hail Mary right near the end of the game for that to happen. So through two weeks, is Russ cooking or was this just sort of a fluky thing? I look, I'm not the biggest Russell Wilson supporter for fantasy purposes, but right now he is cooking. Uh, last week, he didn't do a whole lot in terms of yardage, but he did throw multiple touchdowns. He's on the year right now, five touchdowns, one interception. So, I mean, that's already a third of the touchdown passes he threw all of last season. <laughs> uh, he... The Broncos might not be what we had anticipated them to be, but Sean Payton has made Russell Wilson. He's never going to be like Seattle Russell Wilson. He's not He's not the runner he used to be or anything. But this is the best he's looked as a passer, I would say, probably since he hurt his hand two years ago. 
as of this moment, he is the QB4. Now, I don't expect that he's going to keep that going all year long, but he does look better. And we saw that at the end of last year, once Nathaniel Hackett was gone, too, that what Russ sort of turned things around. I think he will be, when it's all said and done, kind of a fringe QB1. I think he's going to take a, a few steps back, but it does appear that there's something different this year with him than there was last year. So if you drafted him kind of as a QB2, I think you, you sort of keep the faith because he looks like he's going to return uh, that sort of faith for you in fantasy. Mitch and Brian Robinson, off to a very good start so far this year. A couple of touchdowns on Sunday. Is he taking the lead in that Washington backfield? Oh, it, it is. He is the running back to start in this backfield right now. 18 of the 20 running back carries. He played a whole bunch of snaps. He ran 17 routes to Gibson's 24. That's the one area he hasn't fully shaken Gibson yet, but all of the touches in that backfield are going his way. All the ground touches, at least. He's getting involved in the passing game. I mean, he dropped nearly 30 points, and then next week he gets the Bills, who we know you can run on. I, I Another peek behind the curtain. He is a start for me in my stardom <laughs> sit -em in week three. I, I know I went back and forth between Gibson and Robinson all year long or all summer long during draft season. I think I kind of split the difference between the two of them. I feel a lot better right now about the Brian Robinson teams than I do about the Antonio Gibson teams. Uh, it looks like he really has locked in a role here. Sam Howell, you know, look, the, the Washington Commanders offense has its ups and downs, but Howell looks to be more of a downfield passer, which I think does not bode well for Gibson and Robinson getting that goal line work and the short yardage work helps him a lot. I gave my apology to Mike Evans. I know neither one of us liked Rashad White uh, going into the season, but you know, kudos to the Bucks and to Rashad White. He had himself a pretty nice day against the Chicago Bears. Um, I still am not long-term <laughs> buying into this, but it was a good week for him. I, I will take the L on the week because I, I, even despite the great matchup against the Bears, was like, I don't think he, this inefficient back could take advantage of it. And he did. Until you look at it and you realize it's pure volume-based. Like, there's no big plays in Rashad White's game. He's still, he's averaging 3.3 yards per carry right now. Uh, Baker Mayfield is not throwing him the ball like we, like everyone. It's still, people are like, Baker checks down all the time. I'm like, no, he does not. <laughs> Especially when you compare him to Tom Brady, who does it more than anyone. That's why the Bucks running backs had so many catches last season. Rashad White, good game. Uh, next week, the matchup is much tougher. Uh, I think that right now is the sell-high opportunity on Rashad White. Rashad White ran 25 routes. Uh, got five targets. I mean, it's, it's fine. I think he's a matchup-based guy. You know, he's, he's sort of Isaiah Pacheco in a less good offense is kind of a way to yeah. look at it. He's not very efficient running the football. He gets occasional work in the passing game. He's going to be great when the matchup is right. When the matchup is not right, uh, he should probably be left on your bench. The matchup was right. He took advantage of it uh, against Chicago on Sunday. On the other side, guys who were disappointments. The Jaguars' offense as a whole was really underwhelming on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. Trevor Lawrence, kind of chief among them. I guess you could lump in, though, some of his wide receivers, Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones. Uh, it just was not a great day for the Jaguars this week. No, and I thought it would be a much higher scoring game between these two. And now next week he gets the Houston Texans, which might look like a get-right game on paper. He struggled mightily against them uh, last season, both times. They've only allowed one passing touchdown this season. And since the start of last season, they've allowed the fewest passing touchdowns in the league. So 
I'm not so sure next week is going to be the get-right game for Trevor Lawrence that everyone is in, might be anticipating. I also think what we saw uh, yesterday was sort of indicative of what the season's going to be in the sense that Christian Kirk had the big game where we didn't see much from Ridley and Zay Jones didn't have a, a completion uh, to him. He almost had a touchdown, couldn't get the second foot in bounds, so he ends up with zero points on Sunday. And I think we're going to sort of see that. There will be the Calvin Ridley games, there will be the Kirk games, there will be the Jones games. And, you know, if you have Trevor Lawrence, chances are you will take advantage of all of them. If you're starting one of those individual receivers, it's going to be a roulette wheel all year long. Alexander Madison uh, has not had a very good start to the season. It was a rough game for him on Thursday. I had questions. I just didn't draft Madison because I didn't know what to expect. And so far, we can see that he's certainly not giving you what Dalvin Cook gave you. And it's getting harder to start Madison, I think, on a week-to-week -week basis. Yeah, he was a big fade for me coming into the year because I, I, my thinking was the Vikings are going to be one of the pass-heaviest teams in football. They were last season, but Dalvin Cook can make up for that because of the big playability he has. Alexander Madison does not have that sort of big playability in him. He is a volume-dependent back, and through two games, he's looked like a career backup so far and now he gets the chargers who i think on paper people are like you can run on this team they have been great at stopping backs up the middle this year it's outside carries they struggle on alexander madison doesn't really take advantage of those so i don't even feel great about him heading into week three 62 yards on 19 carries that's 3.3 yards per carry for alexander madison just 21 receiving yards on six catches uh, three and a half yards per reception there. Just not a lot to spin positive for Alexander Madison. We're going to try to spin positive on some confusing committee situations with a little bit of who'd you rather. And so let's start in Philadelphia. Uh, they've got, I guess, in theory, four different running backs that they could be using. So who would you rather between DeAndre Swift, who had a big Thursday night, Kenneth Gainwell, who had a nice week one, Boston Scott, and... Uh, just for laughs, let's put Rashad Penny in there too. Who would you rather from that group? Easily DeAndre Swift for me. I, I know there was no Kenneth Gainwell in week two, and it, we have to see what this backfield looks like when they're both healthy and out there, but I think it's too hard to ignore the fact that DeAndre Swift went out there and had more yards than Kenneth Gainwell has had in any game in his entire NFL career, and add in the fact that the offense looked right once they started feeding deandre swift more i believe that he is the best back that they have to replace what miles sanders gave them last year even a little bit more explosive a little bit better as a pass catcher to me he's just the all-around best back but i'm not ready to say kenneth gainwell is completely gone yet he's not gone at all swift is the guy that i would put top of the list uh, Gainwell is behind him at number two. And right now, Boston Scott is the number yeah. three running back there. Rashad Penny, and I said this on Fantasy Live last week, Rashad Penny is droppable in fantasy leagues at this point because he was a healthy scratch week one. Week two, he played eight snaps. All of them came with the Eagles leading by double digits. Also had a very costly holding penalty in there. He's going to be the odd man out. I think you're going to see a lot of Swift, a lot of Gainwell, with some occasional Boston Scott sprinkled in. Swift is the guy, as you mentioned, I think is the most, the most talented in that group. Bears running backs. They got Roshan Johnson. They got Khalil Herbert. They have Deontay Foreman, who was a healthy scratch in week two. Who do you want from that group there? It's still Khalil Herbert for me right now. He played 59% of the snaps compared to 43 for Roshan. He had seven carries, which doesn't sound like a whole lot, but was more than any other Bears running back. He also had more targets than Roshan Johnson, which I think uh, is significant. He is still their 
clear lead back. But Roshan Johnson, I think, is someone you could pick up for upside and stash for later in the year. I, I said it on the show last week. If we get rid of Deontay Foreman, which we did in week two, I think that these two backs can coexist and both be fantasy relevant. I, I guess it's Herbert. I, I mean, I guess in theory, I, I don't really want any of them. But if I had to pick one, it's <laughs> Herbert. Because he's got the pass catching upside. I'm not going to say that Foreman is in Rashad Penny territory where he's droppable, but it's getting hard to make a case to keep him on your roster. We'll see what happens in week three. If he's a healthy scratch again or gets very little opportunity, then you could probably say goodbye to Deontay Foreman. Uh, let's do one more. Let's look in Baltimore at their running back situation. They've got Gus Edwards. They've got Justice Hill. Both those guys stepping in for the injured J.K. Dobbins. Is there one that is leaps and bounds ahead of the other for you? No, I think they're both RB3s and neither one that I would be excited to get into my lineup. They split snaps 54% to 46% in favor of Justice Hill. Hill had 11 to 10 carries. He also had three targets to Gus Edwards, zero. But Edwards put up more yards, scored the touchdown. He is the one that I feel better about of the two. Um, but I think they're, they're very, very similar. They're both kind of just like low-end RB3s that... You start if you gotta, but you don't feel great doing it. I started Gus Edwards in a league, and, and the, you know it wasn't a bad outing for him, but I'm with you. I think Justice Hill is going to get just as much run. Uh, it's frustrating because it looked like the Ravens were going to be a one-back team, that it was going to be heavy J.K. Dobbins until the injury. The injury is forcing them to change course, and I think both of these guys are going to get a lot of opportunity. And, of course, as we always mention, uh, Lamar Jackson's going to run the football as well. So that's going to naturally take away from what Edwards and Hill can produce at their ceiling. That'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. Be sure to listen tomorrow for all our top waiver wire targets. Plus, we're hitting up the fan mailbag to answer all your questions. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. We'll talk to you again real soon. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.